and then, here and there, and always at sexpotcomedy.com. Hey, this is Robert. I want to take a quick second to tell you about a new show that we are working on in collaboration with some friends of ours here in San Diego at Finest City Improv. The name of the show is Moment of Truth, and the way that it works is that we will have storytellers tell improvised stories based on themes that will be selected by the audience pretty much on the spot. It's like a high-wire, no-net, improvised, true storytelling. It sounds completely terrifying, and we are thrilled to be a part of it. So if you want some more information about that show, please visit finestcityimprov.com. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. This next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes to you from Joe Holland. He told this story and on March 8th at the San Diego show. The theme of the evening was Ouch, Enjoy. This is about a time I uh, crashed my car through a building. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I saw the big short a few weekends ago with my parents, and before I even got home, I already had an email from my dad anticipating the next time we would be together. It was good to see you. That was a good movie. I miss you guys being home. Hope to see you Friday for dinner. I'm surprised he likes the movie. There were boobs and swearing, things I thought he didn't like. When it occurs to me, he only didn't like watching those things with me when I was a child. We meet every Friday for dinner. He started in on a story last Friday at Sammy's Woodfired Pizza. He was once arrested for drunk driving when he was underage. He, it was the 70s. He worked at a restaurant in Ocean Beach called The Rib Cage. After closing every night, they'd celebrate with a beer. I must have pulled out of the driveway too fast or something. I didn't even drink the whole beer. I think they were just trying to scare me. I had to blow in the thing. He mimes blowing in the thing. They put handcuffs on me and brought me downtown. Tell them about the watch, my mom says, having heard this story before. They said... That's a nice watch. And I said, I stole it. I was mad, he said. When they got downtown, he claims they just let him go. They were just trying to scare me, he said, looking down at his Coke. It worked. Sometimes my dad isn't there. He'll just be sitting there, or you'll just have been talking to him, or he'll even have been driving and you'll notice that his eyes have gone an eerie pale blue, as if deep in thought. But he's not thinking. His brain is full of activity, but he's not there. And any part of him that you can talk to, or I consider my dad, is not there. When he comes back, he's confused, oftentimes thinks he needs to be doing something. Whenever he comes back from wherever he was, he seems to think that we need to be doing something. Maybe it's his default emotion, Maybe that's what drove humanity across the African continent and then the globe. Our default mode is to be unsatisfied. Neutral for us is full speed ahead. A few days after the movie, I was at their house out in El Cajon. We were watching TV when he suddenly got up and said, We gotta go. 
slapping my mom's knee with a rolled up newspaper. Go where? she asked. It's Sunday. His certainty, his certainty gave way to confusion. He looked at her. He sat back down. Don't we have... He was silent. We've all seen this before. You're having a brain fart, she says. Eyes on the television, not moved from her seat. We don't have to go anywhere. Later, I send my mom an email. Should we be worried about Dad? He seems depressed lately, and this morning, he had that weird brain fart thing. Why does that happen to him? He didn't remember what movie we saw or that I was even there. I'd be okay staying some nights there if that would make him happier. Dad knocked all the dirt and spiders from the windowsill in the bathroom and then just left them there in the tub. It seems weird. I don't know if it's an OCD thing or something, but I can't get the image out of my head. Why do that? What was his plan? The TV remote doesn't work. His tablet isn't working. There are cats everywhere and cat food on top of the fridge. I think we should do something, if not for him, at least for me, because it's really bothering me. It does bother me. Most of the time, he doesn't seem to want anything. I don't know if he's completely content or utterly miserable. Whenever his birthday or Father's Day comes, I can't think of anything to buy for him. He has no hobbies to speak of. When he gets bored, he cleans the garage, watches something weird on TV like the Daytona 500, or looks up things on his tablet. It's not normal to not want. My mom replied later that night, Don't worry, we can talk about it tonight. I think the brain fart thing is a byproduct of a couple of significant hits that he has taken to his head, and also the reason for his occasional seizures. One night when I'm young, my dad has a seizure in his bed. He'd been sick and vomited up his epilepsy pill. My mom took us to Grandma's house and took him to the hospital. That's the first time I knew about it. I think I must have been eight. I felt proud that I had been the one who heard him in his bed, grunting, convulsing, like I had saved him. Later, when he was released from the hospital, my mom picked us up. Dad was hungry and in good spirits. He was in the front passenger seat. We were going to get food, but first my mom needed to get some money from the drive-up ATM. But as she pulled away, he slumped over and started seizing again. The tightness in his jaw was what I remember. His engorged head, purple with blood. My mom drove home as calmly as she could. This is probably the best place for this to happen, she said, referring to the way the seatbelt had tightened, the way it does when you lean forward too fast. There are times I catch my reflection in the mirror and I'm taken aback by how much I look like him. It makes me realize that in many ways I am him. It's disconcerting to me because in a way I'm still afraid of him. Because of his seizures, yes, that was part of it. It's hard to see someone like that and not be afraid, especially when that person is in charge of you sometimes. But also because I didn't think he loved us. I remember asking my mom when I was young which of them was older when she said, Dad, I said, good. That means he'll die first. There were nights I'd go to bed thinking that there was a non-zero possibility that he'd come into my room and stab me. I thought about sleeping with a frying pan over my heart. Don't get the wrong idea. He wasn't violent. I was neurotic. I thought there was an even greater chance that dinosaurs were out there somewhere and trying to kill us, and that swimming pools at night sometimes contained killer whales. But still, the feeling was there, and I probably haven't gotten over it. We don't talk about love and feelings. My dad is like Red Foreman, and I'm Eric, but there's no laugh track.
I think a lot of it had to do with stress. There wasn't a lot of time for emotions and feelings and making sure that we were spiritually satisfied. They were just trying to feed us. Both my parents were out of work when I was a kid. They met at work, got married, bought a house. My mom left work to have my sister and then Convair closed and suddenly near them had jobs. My dad was too old to look for work as a firefighter, he told me, which seems like a self-imposed limitation, something I might tell myself in a similar circumstance. My mom got work in the, as an accountant again, but during her absence was the rise of computers. She struggled to keep up and couldn't hold down anything long term, so they struggled. We weren't that poor, we didn't lose the house. We went to the park a lot, didn't have cable for a time, ate a lot of Pop-Tarts. You can find videos of brain surgery on YouTube. It looks like trying to sew a sunny-side-up egg back together after you pop the yolk. Doesn't seem like it would work. Doesn't seem like all that makes that person a person is being stabbed with a very sharp knife. It makes you wonder if any person has ever survived brain surgery, or if they don't just create a new one with all the same pieces. There were two traumatic brain injuries my dad suffered, both because of idiotic behavior. I've heard the story a couple of times, never from him. The first time he was playing ice hockey without a helmet, and he slapped his head on the ice and lost consciousness for a time. The second time was more serious. He was in his 20s doing his thing, jumping down a stairwell, presumably to save time, because it was fun, I don't know. He catapulted himself down a stairwell and bashed his head on the top of the stairs above him. He woke up with a bloody head and a bad headache and a lifelong affliction. I G-chat my sister a while ago. Why is dad so weird now when he used to be mean and scary? We were talking about his use of emoticons and his perceived change in demeanor over the last decade. It's a psychological fact that men get nicer as they get older, she says. It seems like she's given it thought but came up with its answer pretty quickly. <laughs> it's too neat. The term psychological fact seems somewhat apocryphal. <laughs> then I'm going to be the nicest man in the world, I write. That's what you think. <laughs> Colby hates your guts, she says. They're dachshund. I think what it's about, the emails, the emoticons, wanting to see us more and more, is the recognition and inability to have the relationship with us that he wants. Red Foreman is a character that we all recognize because that's how dads were back then. That's probably how my dad's dad was to him. In fact, before my mom's dad died, he wrote a 70-ish page autobiography with a preface acknowledging that they may have felt like he didn't love them. The rest of the writing was meant as an explanation. This is why that was the case. War, hardship, upbringing, I think my dad is trying to change, but he can't quite get there. Or we aren't doing much to help him because we haven't recognized it until now. It's just been strange and sometimes funny. Or maybe it's just my perception of him that has changed. By way of goodbye, my dad has always said, be careful, not take care, be careful. All right, I'll see you later, dad. Okay, bye, be careful. I never really thought about why until recently. Last time I saw him, I was leaving my sister's apartment. We'd eaten dinner, had coffee, watched Joe Kenda. I got up to leave before the show was over and said goodbye to everyone. Bye, Dad. See you guys later. Bye. Be careful, he said. I pulled my jacket on, thought about it, and turned to him and said, Be careful of what? He looked at me and kind of shrugged, and in that instant, 
I knew exactly what he meant. Thank you. Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our intern is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orbital. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Legal Pete's, Greater Than Records, Sexy Pizza, Sexbot Comedy, From the Hip Photo, and Breckenridge Brewery. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. And for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.